0: Hello, I am Josina Kamaling, Head of Regulatory Outreach for EMEA for CFA Institute. I will be doing three podcasts, of which this is the first, on EU and the legislative process in the past five years, what is happening now in the elections, and the next five years' priorities. Today I will talk about the past five years in the legislative process and financial services legislation in the EU. The past five years were inaugurated with the new parliamentary term starting in 2009, which followed on from the new Lisbon Treaty, which inaugurated a clearer decision-making process in EU policy. What does that mean? There was an extension of qualified majority voting in Council, facilitating um, a faster decision-making process. Council, remember, is the member states and that is an essential part of the legislative process as they vote at the very end. At the same time, national parliaments, so going also to the national level, have more power to force the Commission to withdraw a proposal if they think it should be done at national level. This means that there is more national control. So, as you can see, the fine balancing act that is EU policymaking is getting increasingly complex as at the same time there is more power at the EU level and at the same time there is more power also from the national member states to intervene in EU politics should they think it's not necessary. This together with um, increased legislation as uh, the five years showed that we were post-crisis but we needed to make a lot of new legislation to deal uh, with particular aspects of the crisis and that meant a lot of detailed work specifically in financial services. How um, EU politics works is we have Two levels and level one is at the first instance when the Council and the European Parliament decides and mostly in financial services files that is by co-decision means that they decide together um, at the same time so they have to come to an agreement uh, which is more complex than than you might think as the Council represents 28 member states all with their differing opinions and the European Parliament has many different political parties who also have to come to their consensus with a unified vote. So it is a rich and colourful decision-making process. More on to intergovernmental power, the European Council is now a full institution and having the appointment of a president, which came about in the last five years' uh, term in the figure of Hermann van Rompuy is counterbalancing that of the Commission President uh, José Manuel Barroso in negotiations. So this has led to the current complex trilogue negotiations. What is a trilogue? A trilogue is essentially a three-way discussion between the two decision-making authorities, which is the Council and the European Parliament, and the Commission interacting as the specialist on technical matters. Um, typically, for a file which is complex, such as MIFID, you you might have more than more than uh, six, seven, eight trialogue meetings, which must, might last a whole day. Notably, for example, in the banking resolution mechanism uh, file. Negotiations went on for a whole night in the last trilogue before a consensus was found on the one hand between the Member States and on the other hand with the European Parliament and the political parties. The trilogue is comes at the very end of the policy process. So what what happens, and just this is just a very quick reminder, um, a policy is introduced, initiated by the Commission. It is then discussed in the European Parliament where, the, specifically for financial services files, the Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee will vote on it. And then it goes into trilogue before a final vote in the European Parliament. In trilogue, means that the Council is also looking at it and the Commission gives its expert advice. All this has also meant that not only the Commission now comes through with expertise and specifically on financial services, this is very necessary, but in the European Parliament there is a stronger emphasis on independent policy expertise and to give members uh, know-how from the inside, increasingly of course with financial services um, intensive lobbying takes place around particularly the most delicate files and this is seen, there's a necessity from inside the Parliament to give, to give, um, to give a, a, a know-how and expertise. In the last five years, over 40 pieces of legislation were passed. And particularly in the last year, it has been very intensive in, as legislation has been passed on the banking union, which is key for a structuring of a European market, and on a specific very uh, technical files like MIFIT, uh, like USITS-5, like the PRIBs, um, which are very essential for building up the financial services um, harmonization as much as possible in, in Europe. The 40 pieces um, were passed, as, um, as the Econ Committee has always said, they were aware that it was a lot of legislation, the Commission has, was also pushing, but this comes as the term started of course in 2009, when uh, the crisis was in its initial phase, some said it was starting to finish, but it was in its initial phase. The aim of the intensive regulatory period was to bolster the EU financial markets by a banking union and a new supervisory culture, and to avoid the huge wave of bank rescues and threats to the system with a sovereign debt crisis. On the macroeconomic governance side, this was bolstered by the six-pack legislation on economic governance, which is slowly bringing member states' economic policies more aligned to EU policies and gives the European Parliament a greater role in trying to exercise some regard over national budgets. In 2011, another milestone, the Supervisory Authorities Framework, was created with the European Banking Authority, the European Securities Market Authority and the Pensions Authority, (EOPA). The role of the authorities was initially a little bit vague. Um, It meant coordination at EU level, uh, looking at technical standards and coordinating also with the national authorities. However, increasingly the European Parliament has sought to increase the role of these authorities, um, specifically um, in the case of ESMA. Um, because with the review of MIFID in MIFID II and MIFARE, the regulatory part of MIFID, ESMA has a very big role in determining the technical standards and also in terms of giving feedback to the Commission who has to to implement delegated acts. Um, Now, this is, of course, Commission law, delegated acts, just for those of you who don't know are acts which go through once the first um, policy has been passed in a directive or a regulation, then uh, the Commission looks at the technical details it has to implement and takes advice from ESMA. So there are two sides. ESMA either brings technical standards, which it discusses on its own, under the watchful eye of the Commission, or the Commission takes uh, delegated acts with advice from ESMA. In either case, I would say in the delegated acts there is less of of feedback from the national authorities. In the technical standards, there's there's more of a feedback. So it will have to be seen within the next years how all of this is going to pan out. As ESMA has um, many of these to introduce, I would think in in uh, alone for MiFID it's it goes to around a hundred uh, odd technical standards. It seems that what has been heard. There have been, in the last five years, three different groups of legislation. The first wave of legislation, 2009-2010, was some unfinished pre-crisis business, namely Basel II, which looked at the trading book and bonuses, as well as, of course, the AIFMD, which is the Alternative Investment Fund Managers Directive, and the Credit Rating Agencies Directive. The second wave of legislation was looking much more at market structure as policymakers sought to um, solidify the European market system and also were following what was being discussed at G20 level. This is notably, of course, as mentioned before for MiFID II and um, EMIR. And also Changes to the Capital Requirements Directive because EMIR uh, caused changes to be made to that in order to adapt to the collateral requirements of EU central counterparties, CCPs. Of course, the systemic nature of CCPs will still need attention in the next legislature. So that that is going to be left for um, the, current, the next five years. In the third wave, which is the last part, it concerned really uh, changes to CRD4 as as reflecting in in Basel III, revisions to the market abuse directive with sanctions, and this was quite key as as it sort of is again delineating the European financial markets. Market abuse rules have been also further tightened in the wake of the LIBOR and Forex scandals. the new rules impose minimum fines and criminal sanctions, and individ- but individual member states have the ability to impose higher fines. Now, this really is all about sort of investor protection. You see it in MIFID uh, with a greater concern of investor protection. And MIFID also looks at the transparency, which is again ultimately Benefit for the protection yeah. of the investor. So this, uh, when talking to policymakers, it is clear that the last five years was all about uh, addressing the crisis, protecting the investor, investor giving greater transparency to the EU make markets, but also at the same time being very aware that the EU financial markets need to um, to take care that they don't destroy. The real economy and that they bolster the real economy so again in the last two years more and more um, legislation has been initiated by the Commission and there's a real um, wish to address the issue of financing for SMEs of stimulating the retail market and this will be of course taken taken forward what is not um, what is not really still addressed very much is shadow banking, um, benchmarks, money market funds, and the follow-up to Lee Kannen Report. The Lee Kunnen Report was a high-level group which discussed on banks, bank separation in the Volcker, uh, like the Volcker Rule. This all, which is quite a lot, uh, it has to be said, spe- specifically in the area of shadow banking, this needs to be resolved in the next Parliament. Now, Parliament, the last uh, plenary session was in April, It has, for the moment, of course, stopped work as elections will take place between the 22nd to the 25th of May. Does this mean work has stopped? No. Technical meetings do continue to take place uh, with the Commission and the Council, which means the Member States, so that once the new Parliament sits, files can be progressed quickly. What is very unclear is whether the new parliament in a new perhaps political context um, will accept those files that had advanced to the stage where all that was needed was a final vote or whether they will open up again for amendments. So typically this will be in the case of benchmarks and um, that remains to be seen what will happen on, on that. I will stop here. I think this has given you um, a brief overview of what uh, policymakers have been busy with in the last five years. Next week, I will take a closer look at the whole election process, what the outcomes might be, where uh, where this might be of interest for financial services, and then, then in the final podcast, which will be in two weeks' time, I will be looking at the next five years what could be the, the large areas that the Commission will focus on, uh, what might be the interest in the Parliament, and try and take you through that. Thank you again, and we will, um, I will take up the next podcast next week.